All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. In March of 1970, a 22-year-old kid from New Jersey bought the first ticket to San Diego Comic-Con, the first ticket ever sold to an event that is now emblematic of the most powerful sect of popular culture perhaps ever, which is to say nerd culture. Today, that young man is an old man. His name is George, and he's responsible for creating one of the most widely loved fictional universes within that genre. But this particular George didn't create a compelling epic fantasy legend set within a galaxy far, far away, but rather the medieval kingdoms of Westeros. Fifteen years after the first novel in George R.R. R. Martin's series A Song of Ice and Fire was published, HBO debuted the pilot episode of the series that would take its name. This is The Show Show, it's a show about shows, and for our debut episode, we're gonna chat about the cultural phenomenon that is Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones now, Game of Thrones now, Game of Thrones now, Game of Thrones now. <laughs> Should say up front, this is take two at our pilot episode, so it's gonna feel a little bit unnatural for us. It's gonna feel polished. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> or, or just like really, really contrived and yep. forced because these are the same conversations we had six days ago. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, and it's hard for me because it's not like I can have a really, really in-depth conversation about Game of Thrones. It has to be superficial because it's not a show that I watch. Right, which I think is perfect. Uh, I love that I've watched every episode and you haven't watched any. This is going to, I've watched the pilot. Except for the first one. And, and this is going to be basically what we do on this program. We're going to pick one of the shows that's considered one of the greats, and we're kind of loosely going to follow a list we found on The Hollywood Reporter of what they claim to be the top 100 series of all time. Uh, we're going to pick a show from that list, or maybe not from that list. Mm -hmm. We're going to watch the pilot episode of that show, and we're going to do a show of this podcast based around the cultural impact of that show and whether or not we think it's as, uh, as spectacular as everybody says. Yeah, we might put shows on the top 100 list and subtract shows from the top 100 list could take them off yeah that show is way overrated man blow them out so we're going to start with a show that's not number one on the list and is also a bit of an exception to the rule because it's a show that's still airing new episodes yeah but we thought since the season premiere of uh season six is starting up soon and we're going to try and get this podcast out before that episode happens we thought that uh, game of thrones is in the ether right now and we chat about game of thrones as somebody who doesn't know the series very intimately, uh, I'm curious to know what makes the show so broadly appealing. A show that seems like it would be niche. Like I said before, it's, it's a symbol of nerd culture, but everybody seems to like Game of Thrones, people you wouldn't expect. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of those genre-bending shows because... It's got the fantasy that kind of Lord of the Rings was built on. But all of a sudden, in the second act of Lord of the Rings, someone's taking their top off and getting it on with their sister. This or is whatever. something that was missing from, from Lord of the Rings. I said so. If I, <laughs> if I could see Gandalf get it on with old Frodo just once or twice, I mean, I did. Not that, that that is something that I've kept bottled up or anything, but it would just add some spice, man. You would have been sitting there in the theater going, they respect us enough to show us this. <laughs> yeah. They know we're ready for this. Absolutely. It would have added a whole new dynamic. I like how you didn't say Sam and Frodo, the obvious <laughs> gay relationship in Lord of the no, Rings. No, I just wanted a scene where Gandalf went, you shall pass. And Ian McKellen is just like typecast again. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so I, I, I have a theory as somebody who's only ever watched... Um, one episode of the show, I think it's because it's so easy to follow. I was watching uh, the the first Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes the other night, mm -hmm. which I'd seen before. And I was sitting there going, this is really visually spectacular. And he's so charming. But I don't know what the fuck is happening in this movie right now. I don't know what this movie is about. <laughs> and I think that high action can get away with really complicated plot as long as it's visually stimulating. Right. Uh, but Game of Thrones, at least in the pilot episode, did not present that problem at all. I very easily understood, okay, there's a series of kingdoms, mm -hmm. and everybody's vying for the throne. Well, it's funny because you say that, but you did mention that you had some, well, you didn't really mention, you kind of brought up some things that proved that you didn't completely comprehend everything that was going on in the universe. And I do think it is a little dense, but you just kind of keep watching until you understand what the relations are and stuff. For instance, at the end of the first episode, you didn't pick up on the fact that Jamie and Cersei 
were brother and sister. When they were fucking. When they were fucking. No, but I mean, to be fair, that's not like a thing that they were keeping hidden. I just hadn't, no. I hadn't like arranged everybody in, in my head yet. No, and that's what I mean. It's, it's one of those things where there's so many different storylines that you can't really remember until you watch it over again. Like I watched the entire series twice and hadn't read any of the books. So by the second time I watched it, I made all of the connections that I had to. But the first time around, it was kind of just like, well, that was stimulating. Can't wait for the next episode. Well, and honestly, I mean, the main reason I've stayed away from the show in spite of myself, because I do love quality television and I believe that it is. The main reason is that I just have a bit of a weak stomach for uh, excessive violence and gore. Right. And it has a reputation for that kind of stuff. I I watched the first episode kind of shielding my eyes a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And in spite of myself, I sat there going, God damn it, if I don't want to watch another episode. And it's probably because of that scene when Jamie Lannister pushed the kid out the window. Because I turned out to be wrong, mm-hmm. but I was very sure that kid was killed. And I was like, oh, this is the show that goes there. Right. And the first thing they show you, the first frame of the whole series is a dead child. Yep. So they're not afraid. There's a kid hanging up in the middle of the woods who is kind of a victim of White Walkers. Yeah. Yeah. White Walkers are what? White Walkers are like Yeti zombies. Okay. Um, and no one really knows why they exist. I don't think anyways, they might've kind of like explained it through folklore in one of the episodes, but, but they're an ongoing theme in the series. They're not the main villain. No, they're not the main villain and they're not ongoing is kind of a rough way of describing it because they're in the first episode, like right away. And then I don't think you see them again. I don't even know if you see them again that season or if you kind of see them at the last episode of the season and then maybe once again in the third season and like i think there's been seasons without them at all what was the point of those three characters in the opening scene the two guys who get killed by white walkers and then the third guy seems to escape makes it to whatever village the starks are running right and he ends up getting uh decapitated as well so what was the point of those characters besides to establish that this is a pretty hedonistic and scary part of so I'm not sure why they were out, but those three guys were members of the Night's Watch. Oh. Which is, you remember when Ned Stark's brother comes in and starts talking to Jon Snow about the Night's Watch and, like, how he should join and stuff. The Night's Watch is basically, like, the army of the army in the north that has, like, a huge great wall that you see them walking out of in the very first episode. Okay. So that comes into play way further down. Is this the thing that he asked of Ned Stark where Ned was like all humbled and got down on his knee and he was like, get the fuck up. Is that the thing he was asking of him? No, he was basically just, that was when the king was asking him to be the hand of the king. Oh, I see. So yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with the Great Wall. Okay. With I don't think they call it the, they might call it the Great Wall, but. I was fascinated by how quickly the phrase winter is coming comes up. Yeah. It's like four seconds in. It's four seconds in and then it happens again throughout the episode and I mean, as somebody who is a little bit plugged in to what's going on in popular culture, you don't have to ever watch Game of Thrones to know that winter is coming is the phrase most associated with that show. It's a thing for sure. It's the, it's like, I mean, Heisenberg has a lot of catchphrases too, and I didn't watch that show for fear of the intense violence. So you still haven't seen Breaking Bad either? I've seen all of the first season, most of the last season, and the odd episode. <laughs> okay, middle. so you... I kind of spoiled you it. You kind of did that thing where you read the word that's spelt incorrectly, but you can make sense of it. Yeah, is there a term for that? No, I, I've just <laughs> you've seen those kind of uh, those things where there's an entire story written incorrectly, but right. because the first and last letter are in the right order, you make sense of it. And it's one of those things where the paragraph you're reading is describing how you're making a mistake with your brain. Wait so a it's, second, it's like meta. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I actually am just dyslexic, and this is the way I've always been reading. It's like when you see a meme that says. You didn't notice that the word notice is not in this meme. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. Anyway, anyway I didn't realize that it was a, an expression that said regularly, because sometimes a catchphrase or a tagline for a show is just a thing that was uttered once, and that, that moment happened to become iconic, so everybody talks about it all the time. Right. So like, uh, no, I am your father, Empire Strikes Back. That's only said right. one damn time, but yeah. like, uh, it's an iconic moment. No, this is said all the time. And in fact, it relates to a greater overarching plot of Game of Thrones, which is that they live in some kind of world where the seasons don't seem to follow any kind of stringent schedule. Yeah, the win- winter, although there's points where there's snow on the ground and stuff, it's not winter. I guess winter is supposed to be some overarching 
Winter is like a term a, for a darkness. Yeah, it's like it's like almost a dark extinction period or something where that's when the dinosaurs die. So in six seasons or in five books or however many there have been, mm-hmm. winter has not come yet. No, it's always like just around the corner. I think George R. R. Martin is so scared about what winter has to look like when it finally <laughs> comes that he's like, oh, season seven, we'll find out. There's a lot of pressure on George R. R. Martin for one, not to screw up the series at this point, and also not to die. There's a lot of pressure on him, on his heart, on his like, and he <laughs> on doesn't his belt. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't look on his belt. It doesn't look like he's doing anything to like prolong his life. Well, because anytime somebody says, "So, so are you gonna get to that next book sometime?" He's like, "Fuck you, man! I'm super rich now." He's like, "Just one second, and like swallows another donut. Why does he insist on looking like a sailor? I don't know. I think maybe it's just like if, like if on the Gilligan's Island, if the boat crashed in like Manhattan and they had lots of cronuts rather than bananas, and he'd be like, "Take your shirts off, everyone!" <laughs> yeah, he should have written for Gilligan's Island. I think so too. That would have changed everything. Oh my god, I'm just trying to think of the pilot episode right now, okay. but it it definitely involves. Gilligan and the Skipper getting it on at some point. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I don't know why all of my main little do you know have... that they're brothers. Yeah, <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, that's really good. Do you find it interesting that he bought the first ever ticket to Comic Con? I didn't know that that was a thing. That's but a real thing. That first in line, first time they ever did Comic Con, nineteen seventy. What what were the draws in nineteen seventy to Comic Con? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like Adam West was there or something. <laughs> that was the that was the only thing Comic Con one had. Look, was if, Adam if, West. If Adam West came to Comic Con this year, don't pretend that wouldn't be a spectacular excitement. You're right. He'd still be the headliner. Yeah. No matter what. Probably. Here's the Adam West. Uh, uh, what do they call it when they? Panel. Panel. Here's yeah. the Adam West panel. It's just Adam West. Sitting We're gonna in front premiere of him. the the trailer for a new movie called. Star Trek Wrath of Khan. Oh, I, I wasn't know. prepared for any of this. <laughs> yeah. He was there. He was the only guy there. It was just George R. R. Martin in a huge community center. Just, uh, just him and a bunch of tables. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a free like lion's den lunch or something. So I think so far, I'm a throner. Mm-hmm. You are a, a non-throner. Right. And that's what I've given as a as names to all Game of Thrones fans, throners, or throneheads. I'm kind of surprised that there isn't a term for that already because we're so addicted to doing that with things that are popular. Yeah, maybe there is, and we just don't know it, but I think we we would have heard of it. look it up. I'm going to Google it. Wait, what are Game of Thrones fans called? Well, someone else has Google searched it. I know Harry Potter fans are called Potterheads. Star Trek fans are called Trekkies. Lord of the Rings fans are called Ringers. No, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) Never heard that before. (laughs) But what's the fan base called? For uh, Song of Ice and Fire. Um, someone says masochists. <laughs> Souls fans. Um, Souls fans. Fans of a song. So maybe the idea is that Game of Thrones fans are so ubiquitous and too cool for school that they're just like, look, we just like a TV show. We, yeah. Yeah, maybe. They don't need a believers. Oh, well, I'm taking thronies. Okay, I like it. Or throners. Throners. Throners sounds like boners, so I like that. Exactly. So I'm a flaccid throner at this point. You're a flaccid throner. You're (laughs) a throner who has not quite uh, developed. You are fully engorged in your your two viewings. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so a couple things that we touched on already. The Game of Thrones violence Uh and viewing them as fantasy trailblazers. Is this the first awesome kind of like mainstream fantasy show that's had that kind of violence and nudity and i don't know i want to it's hbo-ified yes it's it's definitely the first one to have all of those different facets and if they did something like if they did something very similar on pbs people wouldn't be interested because of the the reputation of that network no offense to pbs but like i noticed in the opening shot of the pilot episode when they're like um scanning over the vista before we meet Ned Stark for the first time, I'm like, that shot could be taken out of a, a PBS show. Right. Um, out of, or out of like Outlander or something. Right. And people would not be interested in it on a, a, like the same level. But because this one has tits in it and beheadings, people people sink their teeth into that. Lots of shows have had any one of those things, but they're brave enough to take on all of it. Yeah. And that- fantasy is also a vague term. We're talking about like medieval fantasy, I guess. Yeah. Kings and horseback and... Totally. And, and all of that. I mean, the dragons. throne is exactly dragons. But like Battlestar Galactica is a fantasy. Star Trek is a fantasy. Sure. But that's that's more kind of sci-fi, isn't it? Where this is more just kind of fi. A lot of people will say that Star Trek is a, is a sci-fi. Star Wars is a fantasy. Or in fact, a Western. Oh. 
Yeah, yeah, I guess that's an interesting point. Yeah, it's just a Western that happens to be set in space. Star Western. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think it's probably, maybe it's a trailblazer in in that facet. People were also just really ready to take a break from network TV. They were really ready to sink their teeth into something that was solid, and Game of Thrones happened at the right time. The Sopranos had been over for a long time, and maybe there was a slight lull in terms of pay cable being really spectacular, Mm -hmm. because right when Game of Thrones struck, so did Sons of Anarchy, so did Breaking Bad, so did every other high-octane, Walking Violent. Dead was shortly after. Walking Dead is the biggest thing in the history of of cable TV mm-hmm. um, viewership wise. Right. You you brought up a good point about the season finale of Breaking Bad, which series, we thought was the most watched show. The series finale of Breaking Bad even had me watching it. It was the last one. It's the one where we find out the truth about what happens. Right. Walking Dead beat it that night, and it was just a regular episode of Walking Dead. Right. So we think of of Breaking Bad as being this really impactful, influential show that. Um, was hugely successful, and it was, namely because it was a critical darling and also because its fans are the most hardcore fans maybe ever in TV history. Right. Um, but it it wasn't like, it wasn't a ratings king. No. It was a ratings prince. Right. Whereas every week, week after week after week, The Walking Dead has like the highest viewership of any television show ever. And still. Yeah. It's another one I obviously can't watch because of all the gore. Yeah. I think you would have a problem with that one. Whereas I think with Game of Thrones, you can go a few episodes without necessarily seeing, you know, a head getting cut off or face getting ripped off. Well, and to be fair, like I watched a lot of the pilot episode kind of through the cracks of my fingers because you never know what's coming. And it really, it seems to be completely arbitrary what kind of stuff is really going to disturb me. Because I can see some stuff and it doesn't gross me out at all and other stuff will make me feel faint. But the beheadings that you see, I was really pleased to see they weren't done gratuitously. You see the head come off, you see like a little squirt of blood or something, and then they cut away. Yeah. So they weren't really trying to gross me out. They just wanted to show me that they would do it. So I'm also aware of some other moments in Game of Thrones, and we can talk more about the Red Wedding. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's called the Red Wedding. And the I, Skull Crush. The Skull Crush. I, I know that there are moments that I definitely couldn't watch. But right. it wasn't like... It wasn't all the time. This is the frustrating thing is that I want to keep watching Game of Thrones, but I, I don't have a way of knowing when I'm going to need to look away. Yeah, I don't know. What what is it that kind of sets you off with gore that, that you're like, do you have any touchstones of grotesqueness that you're not willing, that you're that you would match. Yeah, like face stuff would really bug me. Okay. Um, Examples? Any, any kind of like um, knives around faces. Okay. I have to look away from that. Throat like, slittings, not um, good for you? No, that would be really bad. Like okay. the inside of necks would right. really bother me. The inside of heads. Inside of chest, that seems to be okay. Okay. That seems to be okay. <laughs> that said, you know, my friend who's a police officer was telling me this. He tells me crazy stories of things that happen that aren't in the paper. Sure. And um, I won't get into details, but he told me a story about a guy who cut off his own hand. Whoa. A crazy person cut off his own hand. And as he was telling me this story and he's one of the best storytellers I've ever had in my life. Right. And I love hearing his police stories, but as he's telling me this one, it was at the end of a week where I didn't eat or sleep enough right. and I'm sitting in this bar and I'm just getting dizzy. And next thing I know, I've like semi blacked out in the Micmac Tavern <laughs> and I'm all sweaty. And it's just because he was telling me a story about a guy who cut off his own hand. Right. You look down at your hand and you're like, Oh, there it is. Oh no, that's Thank mine. God. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, like, there are many cases where I could I could probably watch something where somebody gets their hand cut off. I mean, Empire Strikes Back. There's nothing grotesque about that scene, right? But for whatever reason, certain things will trigger me. Yeah, you know what? I would I would describe Game of Thrones as a, the type of show where that doesn't happen every single episode. I would chalk it up to maybe three times a season. Okay, that's something so rotten or well, gross. Even, even Breaking Bad is is definitely not a gory show no it's i mean it's pretty violent or at least there's allusions to a lot of violence and i love suspense i love intensity if there isn't the risk of aggressive violence this is why i love like a a spy thriller or a superhero movie but i'm aware of one scene in breaking bad i don't know what season it is it's one time where someone gets their throat slit and everybody agrees yeah that is pretty gross right you know what i'm talking about i do but i kind of forget now well that stuff doesn't bother you so it didn't stay with you right but i know that at some point if i watched breaking bad start to finish i would have to endure that and i wouldn't be able to unsee it really yeah it would but like so later on it would come back and taunt you while you were like making a jam sandwich or something yeah that could happen and then like for the rest of the weekend after uh, policeman told me the story about the about the self 
um, delimbing. <laughs> the policeman that is your friend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to say his name in case he doesn't want me to. But sure. for the rest of the weekend, if that thought came up, I had to be like, okay, mm-hmm. think about something else because right. you don't want to pass out again. Right. Okay. But yeah, I can remember it happened in school one day, like in grade nine, I passed out. Well, um, that's because you watched a teacher slit a kid's throat. Oh yeah, that was really disturbing. <laughs> right. To be fair. And yeah, ever since I haven't liked violent TV that's shows. That's probably where it stemmed from. <laughs> so sue me. Yeah. No, we were watching a, it was like a made for TV movie. It was, um, it was called, God damn, I think I can remember what it was called. It was called Tagged, the Jonathan Wombach story. I don't know why I remember that. Okay. Why do I remember that? Because it stuck with you. It stuck with me. I was 14 years old and we're sitting in Mr. Kelleher's class and we're watching this made for TV movie about a kid who got bullied. I don't know if he was gay or whatever. It was this movie about bullying mm-hmm. and he gets beaten up real bad after school. He comes home and takes a shower and he notices at the, at his feet, there's some blood because they've like cracked a skull open with their fists or whatever. Sure. And it's just like a little bit of blood. I've had massive nosebleeds in the shower right. and, and not been like that disturbed by my own blood. But for whatever reason, like I felt faint and then I had a reputation for being a guy who couldn't even look at like the littlest bit of blood, which really? isn't true. But for whatever reason, that one that one hit me a certain way. So there seems to be an unpredictable nature to my queasiness. Right. And that's why these kind of shows make me anxious. All right. Well, I, I get it now. I'm happy that you kind of put that out there for me. I'm, I'm happy to have... I won't uh, bug you about it anymore. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe I will. You're going to stop uh, stabbing me with a knife. That's what I have to... I have to stop threatening you with weapons. Yeah, I would appreciate that much. All right. So another thing that I had on here, Peter Dinklage... Do you think he's a trailblazer a little bit as a little person? Yeah, I I mean, I think so. Has I, has there been any other show where, although he is a little person in it and it's acknowledged and stuff, has there been any other kind of mainstream massive hit where a little person has become an A-lister? No, and I was going to say yes until you said A-lister. There have been lots of things, big things, where little people have appeared in them, but right. not necessarily where the main character was the little person and the main character went on to have like mainstream popularity. Right. And he hosted the episode of Saturday night live, which was pretty good that you have to be an A-lister to do that. Well, you know what? I don't know that I actually agree with that. No. And then there's like a pop cultural lull where they'll have on like (laughs) the secondary lead man in the hunger games, whatever the fuck his name is. Right. And and they're like, have this guy host SNL. And he thinks that he's PETA. He thinks that he's made it. Right. And maybe he has in certain circles, but I, I, and maybe it's just a sign of me getting older and more curmudgeonly. Sure. But I sometimes look at the lineup for SNL and I'm like, who the fuck is that? But I think sometimes they might pick these people on the merit of what they're going to be able to do on the show because I remember he was on and he was hilarious. He was funny. It was a great show. And Dinklage was pretty good too. The show wasn't spectacular, but I didn't fault him. Sometimes I really blame the host. Right. Because um, he had space pads. <laughs> that seems to be the sketch that has stuck with people. Right. That was awesome. I, I thought that the only thing that ruined that sketch was bringing Gwen Stefani out. Yeah, I hate when they do that. Like, when they really contrive and, and like really um, sandwich in the musical guests just yeah. to give them some kind of camera time He's to show that they singing. have, have get... charisma or whatever. Yeah. I, like, I know Gwen Stefani is, is charismatic. I don't need her to be wedged in here. Exactly. The other thing about SNL right now is that it's so uh, political. Right. That every other sketch has got to do with Trump or Hillary or whatever. Isn't it funny how during an election year, how much they abandon the current president. Like Barack Obama is nowhere to be seen. I was this just thinking, of Saturday Night Live. I was just thinking that recently I rewatched the, uh, the update bit that what's his name? Um, Jay Farrow. Jay Farrow did, uh, where he did all the impressions and like that blew up. It was amazing. Yep. And I remember thinking, where has Jay Farrow been? He and Taryn Killam both are so underutilized on this show mm-hmm. for now being like kind of the veterans on the show. Uh, and it's partly because he used to be in every other sketch as Obama. Right. It's going to be interesting for Kate McKinnon if she gets to play the first female president on SNL. That would be huge. And I I think that would be so fitting with the cast right now because typically it's a male president and the male cast is dominant. Yep. This would be the first time that it was a female president. And also, the female cast is so dominant on that yes. show right now. Yes, they are. Every, every sketch is... There's a main female character in it. All the digital shorts are awesome that are female-centric. Well, which seems to be most of them. The last couple of years since The Void began where um, Andy Samberg and The Lonely Island left, 
the digital shorts got really bad, whether they were by Mike O'Brien. He had the odd okay one. Oh my God, his fucking Oprah one this weekend. Did you see it? No. Where he was like, it was basically the life story of Oprah. Okay. But Mike O'Brien was playing Oprah. Oh, Oh, gotta look it up after. Okay, no, he is definitely like, he's he's trying something different and I respect that. But Kyle Mooney is not trying something different. And I do not get at all what is so amusing to people about that guy. A little, and I'm a bad person to talk to about that because I find him a little bit entertaining. The stuff that him and Beck Bennett do, I I'm just always entertained. But. That character he played on Update this week, which he's played before, oh, where he's yeah. like the comedian that doesn't work. Right. That's just too real for me. I know. <laughs> it is. It, and it was kind of real for the audience too. But my girlfriend and I watch that every week. And that part in particular, I don't know why. We just find him funny. I was laughing at it, even though the entire audience wasn't. I understand that he he's for some people. And I still respect Lauren's choice to put him on the show. But my point being, his digital shorts were just not up to par after a hundred amazing ones from the Lonely Island. Yeah. And now this right. year, it seems like most of the digital shorts, the pre-taped things are female centric. Yeah. And, and when they, they are, they hit home. Like, they're viral. Yep. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like lately on SNL, there seems to be a bit of a theme of really putting the newbies out front and having the older cast members sit in the back. Taryn Killam, even Cecily Strong isn't doing as much as she used to do. Yeah. They haven't done Girlfriend's talk show all year. Right. Maybe last year too. Yeah. So maybe that's strategic because these people are going to leave eventually. Yeah. But it's caused the show to suffer a little bit. I even think there's ones that would work like every week, like Gilly did or whatever. Like with uh, A.D. Bryant as that daughter friend of whoever's at the part. Like, I think the 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 skit- so parents were Tina Fey and Alec Baldwin. Is that the one you're talking about? That might have been one of them, but the other the 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 one they did this year is with Ryan Gosling. Okay, Ryan Gosling was the dad. Oh, yes, and she's like, no, don't call my mom. My mom's a bitch. <laughs> No, that, I'm, I'm thinking of Nassim Pedrad. She she did the right. sketch where she was like way too into her parents. Yes, that was and that was really funny too. It and was. they didn't bring that back enough. Right. But I think that this one with the like, oh hey, Mister Lawler or whatever, <laughs> and she's totally flirting with him the whole time, and he's really uncomfortable right. about it. They did it with Drake too, and it was so good. I think she's and the first time she was on. I didn't really get her, and and very quickly I caught up to Ad Bryant, and I think she's awesome. Right. She's on Horace and Pete. No way. Yeah. I got to watch this show again. I know. We should do, maybe we should throw that in on an episode. It's, it's, well, in episode. that case, we won't, we won't burn it by talking about it too much, but it's right. very different. It's okay. presentation to the I world. I can't wait to see this Horace and Pete show. Okay. Next in the Game of Thrones discussion. Yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Lord of the Rings and other comparable um, narrative forces, um, especially in nerd culture. Do you think lord of the rings had to happen to make game of thrones a success yeah like i think the pitch was okay so it's like lord of the rings but with some nudity and you're gonna see more people's heads get chopped off and everyone's gonna love it well and i i think george R. R. martin has said oh yeah tolkien was a big inspiration for me he'd be such a fucking liar if he said otherwise yeah like (laughs) like well i disagreed with a lot of the (laughs) things that he did but I suppose I could add some nudity into it and make it a success. I don't know where I was going with that, but I, I think I think it was necessary, and maybe it really worked to Game of Thrones' benefit that Lord of the Rings set such a high standard ten years ago. Everybody loved those movies, and then the Hobbit movies were bad, and right. everybody was able to compare them. And they're like, the Hobbit movies aren't good because I'm watching Game of Thrones, and that's that's being fair to me, right? As a fan, maybe Martin's whole pitch was think lord of the rings and take it to the next level (laughs) and people were like well i'm interested to see what this looks like sure make a pilot and by taking it to the next level he had uh he had more uh brother sister fucking as i more more familial sex yeah exactly (laughs) exactly so i think i think that was probably I, i think it was necessary i've never read you know i've never read a lord of the rings book i read the hobbit years ago and i've never read a game of thrones book obviously so i don't know if they're as comparable um, literarily, mm-hmm. literaturely, sure. In terms of literacy, <laughs> um, but visually speaking, especially to the layman or somebody who isn't really into that at all, they're going to look at them and maybe not even be able to tell them apart because they use terms like dwarf and uh, 
horse. (laughs) 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 Yeah, they said horse in that show, and it was Uh, really different. So what is a horse, exactly? (laughs) Okay, so you've got these things called orcs and these things called horses. Now, the horses, I'm going to explain to you what they are. It's a quadrupedic mammal, and you ride on it. It says nay, I think. (laughs) It's a very negative creature. Right. (laughs) People are always asking it questions. Constantly vetoing ideas. Yeah. Let's stop going to the horse for direction. Do you think there's things that have been made since because of Game of Thrones? I think it's probably set uh, a new bar for for quality. Yeah. Because um, like I said, it, it kind of gotten a little bit dull, and then it kind of came back with a wave of, of really high-quality programming. I don't know if anything has come back that that is thematically similar. Like There's, right. there's probably only enough room for one swords and and kings and kind of things show right i want to say vikings might have been kind of thrust oh, into yeah. the limelight because of it like and outlander yeah. i don't really know outlander is a time travel show it's about, right it's about a woman who's a doctor in like regular times or maybe okay. in the 80s i'm not sure when but pretty modern contemporary times <laughs> it would be awesome if it was the 80s and Just she's pretty... constantly making like 80s references <laughs> for no reason <laughs> <laughs> and she gets sent back in time and she's stuck back in time and she has all of this futuristic medical knowledge and they're like this lady's a witch but they want to keep her around because she's saving right. lives and she also taught us all how to moonwalk exactly uh, yeah. i think i think it's it it's visually similar but it's more of like a soap opera right it's it doesn't it doesn't go to the the lengths that game of thrones goes to right and you don't get to see the outliner lander nude at all do you i don't know what I think does she call herself the outlander i well it's it's called outlander because it's set in scotland Oh, and gotcha. also because she's not from these lands, right. right? Or these times. Gotcha. So it's a double entendre. Oh, like suits. Suits is a is a double entendre. Well, yeah, because it's a show about guys that wear suits right. and handle lawsuits. Oh my god! Whoa! <laughs> Major breakthrough just now. I never noticed that before. Really? I love it. <laughs> I'm binge watching it. It's suddenly a really great title. Oh, that's fantastic. No, I'm and I kind of always it. thought it was like, it's a cool title because suits are a thing that people like. Right. And they always wear nice suits. And also, we seem to have a fixation on labeling things with just one word these days. Yeah, and it's not like there's ever any episode where they're like, yeah, you know what I like? Suits. Because we're <laughs> in them all day and we also handle them all day. Am I right? It's also on my paycheck. <laughs> right. That's fascinating. My brother loves suits. I wonder if he's noticed that very clever title. I'm sure he has. Yeah, you're right. I'm the idiot in the family. <laughs> no, you, you should text him after the I show. I will. I'll do that. So we talked about how it's also a show that's not afraid to kill its darlings. You know that main characters die in this episode. Right. And what's kind of interesting... Or not in this episode, but the season. In the season. What's interesting is that... Well, in fact, I don't mean to jump all over the place, but it kind of happens in that episode. Now, I later learned that Bram doesn't... Is it Bram? Bram, yeah. He doesn't get killed. He does not die. But they definitely lead you to believe that kid gets murdered. You'd think he would, because so it's fallen they, from They set a tone, yeah. you know? They're getting you ready for when that will happen for real next time. Yep. I'm aware of a lot of main characters in Game of Thrones that are dead now. Mm-hmm. Just, again, because it's such a big deal that you hear about these things. And I remember going on the radio the day after the Red Wedding episode aired. Yeah. And I, I just had to say to the audience, it's going to be okay, guys. We're going to have a quiet right. afternoon. You and had to console everyone. I did. And I was fine. Yeah. But I had seen enough on Facebook that I was aware that everybody was hurting and they yep. needed a slow, quiet day to deal with that. Totally. I think we lived together at that point and I was probably yelling in the next room over while <laughs> you were like, I don't know watching something else and I, I, so I, I think that's probably the greatest move that it's made in terms of uh, of big tv shows is that they're not they're not afraid to kill its darlings we, we talked and, the last time we did this show <laughs> we uh we talked about how house of cards did that yep. in the second season first episode they kill off the zoe barnes character like it was nothing right they spend the whole first season Bouncing back and forth between Frank and Zoe. These are the two main characters. It's a two-hander. The show is about the press and the politics. And then suddenly it's not about the press at all. Right. And they tell you, just so you know, we're going to do this in this show. The frustrating thing about House of Cards is that after they killed Zoe, they were quiet for two seasons. And I sat there waiting for Frank to be despicable again, and it didn't happen. Right. And it's happened a little bit in the fourth season, so it's kind of gotten its its ground back. but. But I think it was probably allowed to kill its main character because Game of Thrones did it and people didn't leave. Right. And did you realize how many people from that first episode weren't going to be around there? Weren't okay. going to be around by the end of the 
sixth season, I guess it is. Like I said, sometimes there are a handful of main characters who I'm aware of just because of the ether. Right. And I would see them and go, pretty sure that guy's dead now. Like you hear a lot. And again, we don't know yet what the fate is of Jon Snow because we haven't seen the premiere of, of season six. But a lot of people seem to be under the impression that Jon Snow might not have died the way he appeared to at the end of the last right. season. Right. And I think he's released statements saying no I'm dead. Other people have said Jon Snow is dead. I don't know if like the spirit of Jon Snow is going to come back or something. That would be kind of kind of cheesy. I, I think, think I've seen stills of his dead body, haven't I? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So anyway, I, I saw Jon Snow and that was the one that stood out to me the most because I remember hearing a lot about when he died last season. Right. Um, oh, we need to put a spoiler alert at the beginning of the episode, I guess, too. Just saying we're probably going to talk about stuff. But I mean, I think everyone knows that we, Jon Snow died. We will do that, but for the fucking record, if you're listening to a podcast titled Game of Thrones... Yeah, let's duke it out, bro. Don't don't come in here expecting that we're not going to talk about what happens on Game you of should, Thrones. You should expect us to get confrontational with you right now if you're getting angry at your iPhone. And for future listenership, we are going to do a lot of spoilers on this show. Yeah. It's going to yeah. happen. It's not going to be nice all the time, guys. Oh, sorry. Spoilers That's, are coming around. Life is full of spoilers. Yep. Like when, when your dad doesn't come home at the end of the day. <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler. He did. <laughs> he, no, I just oh. thought he was an asshole. Oh, that. spoiler alert. He don't like your fam. He has another family. Right. Whoa. Yeah. You should be a writer. I should I should write for Game of Thrones. You should. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the darkest episode when the dad just didn't come back? <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when I've abandoned the family. When, when Tyrion Lannister turns to the camera and says, "Psych, you're the bastard child." In this this <laughs> this Game of Thrones, and then the credits roll. I uh, he's still around, and I happen to know that he's uh, George's favorite character. So I wonder if that gives him a small sense of job security. <laughs> yeah. Because I think a lot of people go to work. Or at right. least they wait for the script to come in the mail and they leaf through the thing making sure they didn't get killed because they really, could lose their job at any time. They're really good with money. They're like stashing money, <laughs> like third tip, putting 30% more in a savings fund just because they don't know when their character is going to die. But he's George's favorite, favorite character to write, so maybe he gets to stick around for a long time. And you have to assume that by the end of the series, not every main character will have died. Well, and I know there's things that they did with the books and in the series that is kind of like Walking Dead where there are characters that didn't exist in the Walking Dead comic book that exist in the TV show and there's characters in the Game of Thrones universe that didn't exist in the books but they're kind of like amalgamated mm -hmm. into one person in the show and they haven't killed that off yet and people are like upset I don't know you did your best to do a tally of how many people exist in the pilot who no longer exist because of death yes at this point in the series and yeah. what was your number my number was seven Oh my god! Yeah, and and I could have missed someone, right? But I know for sure there's seven people in the first episode that are considered like pretty like main characters. That well, maybe not main characters. Definitely seven characters die, and probably five of them are main characters. I'm kind of comforted by that because here I was thinking maybe I would try and get into this show because I really hate missing out on things that are big uh, zeitgeist moments. Yep. I, like, I remember when uh, The Hunger Games was a really big thing. I had just missed out on Twilight, and I don't really regret that because everybody agrees Twilight was worth missing. But The Hunger Games was getting, like, pretty good reviews in terms of the books, so I was thinking, maybe I'll read the book before the first movie comes out. I read the book in, like, a day, had a blast, saw the movie, didn't like the movie, kind of lost interest. But... I did it because I wanted to be a part of something. I didn't want to feel like I was missing out. And I've always yeah. had that sensation with Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad and, frankly, Walking Dead and Sons of Anarchy and these big shows that I am fearful of watching. So maybe I will watch Game of Thrones because, frankly, though I know of some spoilers that happen, I definitely can't name seven people in that pilot who I know to be dead. Yeah. And I got to say, I think you're including Sons of Anarchy over and over again in a league that it doesn't quite belong in. Uh, people really like that show, man. Yeah. Yeah, they did, but... I think it kind of jumped the shark. Oh, that could be. I don't know. I didn't watch it. Right. I think by the sixth season, everyone was kind of like in the same way that Dexter did. I think people were yeah. kind of ready to just see it go away. Well, and to be fair, I wouldn't put Dexter in that category. So maybe. No. I but if, if Dexter ended after like three seasons or f even four seasons, it would have, I think, had platinum status and we should talk about that shows and we will later because we're gonna we're gonna talk about shows that became cult hits after having been um uh really unsuccessful ratings wise um hint for our next episode <laughs> there are certain shows that that you 
lament for having lost early when in fact you would have hated them a lot more if if they if they had stuck around yeah you're right another example of that is community community yeah um if community had ended after two seasons it would be arrested development level of of adoration you're right season three had some good episodes in it but if they didn't didn't exist the first two seasons were poetry yeah and when arrested development came back even it was kind of spoiled it it. it was good it was creative but it wasn't like as fucking hilarious as the first three seasons same thing goes with firefly which we'll do an episode about eventually um that's which a show i haven't seen uh, i i've seen the pilot and that's it okay but that's a show that people really wish would come back or or would get its due because it was it was poorly treated by the right. network and it's like it's like tupac and biggie if they were still around would you really <laughs> do you think they'd have such fan following they're legends now because they died young. Okay. They were supernovas. All right. I guess I guess that's actually a fair point. At first, it sounded an awful lot like those human lives are roughly the same as those network TV no, shows. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I would prefer if no one died and Notorious B.I.G. and That's really irresponsible because global population is already pretty, pretty large. You're right. Some rappers need to die. People need to die. <laughs> in, People and in, rappers. In shootouts. You're going to be pretty excited, Sweets, because okay. I've got a surprise for you. Okay. I brought a game this time around no way. that we can play. Oh, amazing. Um, as a throner, I figured I could put together a list of, of uh, questions that you would have to answer. And then I realized it doesn't have to even be questions. It can just be names. Okay. So this game is called Stone or Throne. And you need to decide whether the thing that I say is the name of a stone or the name of a character <laughs> on Game of Thrones. Oh, I love this. Okay, so the first one up, Cersei, stone or throne? Throne. You're right. That's the sister who Jamie was fucking. You're right. And I mentioned it earlier, yes. so you got in easy on that one. Right. Next one, Hyacinth. Stone? Hyacinth is a flower. Okay. I know this, so it's probably not also a stone, so... Um, and I also think of a BBC sitcom that my grandmother loved called Keeping Up Appearances, in which the lead character was named Hyacinth Bucket. But she would always tell people that her last name is pronounced Bouquet, which is amusing and reminds me of my sweet grandmother, Betty. I'm going to say Throne. Okay. No, and I could be wrong here. I Googled it. Hyacinth is apparently a stone. Maybe it's a color of a stone, but I'm pretty sure it's also the name of a stone. Okay. Third in Stone or Thrones... Uh, Sansa. Sansa, I am very sure, is Throne. Yes, you're right. My first MP3 player was called a Sansa. (laughs) Okay. It's one of the Starks. I I didn't know you'd have that personal connection. (laughs) Uh, It relates to everybody. This is why Game of Thrones is so connectable. That's why you liked Game of Thrones, the pilot episode. And BBC sitcoms that your grandmother (laughs) likes. (laughs) It would have been awesome if it reminded you of one of those mini disc men. Oh, that was the Sansa. Sansa, well, MP3. It was. The, it was the same company. It was oh, the okay. same. I think. It, I think maybe Sanyo. Or You're not Samsung thinking of Sony, are you? No, but there was like an MP3 player called Sansa. S A N S A. Wow. Yeah. All right. Um, fourth, Stone or Throne, Olivine. Olivine. What a pretty name. Uh, I'm gonna say. Okay, we've had we've had one of each. Oh, Ol- Olivine. That's um. Oh fuck. That's gonna be a throne. Nope, that's ah, that's a stone. stone. I'm sure it's a beautiful stone like it is a beautiful name. Maybe she'll be in the sixth season. <laughs> Next, Spinel. Spinel. Reminds me of Spinelli from Recess. Yep. Spinel. Keep going. Okay. Ashley Spinelli. She was very embarrassed that her name was Ashley because of the Ashleys. Scandalous. Right. I remember that. Um, and she was... Actually voiced by the girl who's in Californication. Yeah, Pamela Adlon. She's right. also in Louie. Louie. She's awesome in Louie. She was the only adult to voice a character on that show. The rest of them were kids. Really? Yeah. Oh, that must have been a weird uh, staff meeting. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's just babysitting. <laughs> the union breaks were her just hanging out just with a bunch the of the foul-mouthed people. Pamela Adlon hanging out with a bunch of 12-year-olds. <laughs> hey, what's up, you fuckers? <laughs> uh, Spinel is Smoking. a throne. Uh, nope. Spinel. Also a stone. I'm failing this quiz. <laughs> you are so far. Clearly, the, I have lots to learn, so I should watch this show. Three more names. Okay. So far, you're failing. Yes. You can redeem yourself. Okay. Sandor. Sandor is redue for a throne. It's a throne. It is a throne. You're yeah. correct. Sandor Clegane is the name of the hound that is the uh, big guy with 
the kind of like hair over his face. I don't know if you could see his kind of disfigured face, but okay. he's talking to uh, Tyrion Lannister at one point in the first episode. He's a guy or a hound? He's he's a guy, but they call him the hound because uh, he's just kind of a big like bodyguard slash servant of uh, the Lannisters. Like Dog the Bounty Hunter. Uh, exactly. He's okay. the Dog the Bounty Hunter of the <laughs> Lannister family. I don't Every, think he gets paid quite as handsomely. Everything has crossover. This I know. show has so many levels. I know. Next up, Tormund. Tormund. Tormund is a stone. Nope. Fuck. Tormund. So that's a, a character way later on in Game okay. of Thrones. Okay. And he's actually one of like the wildlings. Okay. But yes, I, I actually had to Google what his name was. I don't think I knew it. So he's not a very central character, at least yet. Uh, no. Okay. And finally, Tourmaline. Tourmaline. Tourmaline sounds vaguely Italian. Sounds like there could be like a pizza place called Tourmaline's. 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 Or, or it could be just like a kind of pasta that you get at the Bicycle Thief. Or maybe, like, it's a, an invitation to tour someone's lean. Like, hey, tourmaline. Tourmaline. <laughs> like, if leans were, uh, was like a slang term for, for wine loins? cellar. Oh, or wine <laughs> cellar. <laughs> Come on to tourmaline. Tourmaloins, man. Yeah, we might be uh, xenophobic right now. Tourmaline is, has got to be a stone. You're right. Ah, yes. That is a stone. But so did it come out even? Nope. You overall failed, I think. Oh, um, but you know what? We had fun, so everybody wins. We learned something. Yeah. By the way, that was either going to be called Stone or Thrones or Name of Thrones. Okay. <laughs> Game of Stones. Game of Stones would have been so much better. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Because uh, it's also a game. Yeah. It's like but, Suits. It, it has multiple levels. Right. It all all roads lead back to the Suits name. Man, who came up with the name of that show? I don't know. They deserve a raise, though. I'm going to tweet that person later. Yeah. I'm going to tweet them from the <laughs> Show Show account. And, oh, yeah. Hey, we, we should plug show the, show the Show Show account. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we've so far just tweeted one picture. <laughs> it's called at um, Show Show Podcast. What did we tweet? I have a, a very nice black and white photo of you and I doing a, a dry run of an early podcast. <laughs> One of our first dry runs. Yeah. There's been like five so far. You've been to my house six times since the first time we functionally got out a podcast. Yeah. What's her name? Khaleesi? Yeah. Daenerys Targaryen? Yeah, that's it there. I like okay. her. Does she get more compelling? Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of characters that you kind of follow their growth and then to a point where they start holding their own and they're kind of an authoritative figure mm -hmm. and you kind of see them grow as a, a person this is a thing that i i understand game of thrones has done really well a show that has such a large ensemble that it manages to traverse shifting the focus of the main character from season to season right orange is the new black has done that um and they've done it pretty smoothly as well i think namely because their primary main character is the least interesting person on that show. Right. Uh, but other shows have not been so successful at shifting the focus uh, because sometimes they'll shift it to a character you never really cared about. Where to, it, just, it seems like Game of Thrones fans hang on even through the storylines they might not be as passionate about. To the point that I would be able to say that I could see, and we already have seen a little bit, of Daenerys Targaryen going the route of Heisenberg a little bit. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she becomes like a... Well, I mean, Khaleesi Every, is her ruler's name, right? I think the whole thing with Game of Thrones is you're not sure who to cheer for because some of the the heroes are doing villainous things and some of the villains are doing heroic things. Yeah. So you're always kind of conflicted about who's really bad. Even, even the Lannisters, who I think are supposed to be the focal villains of the show, have some redeeming qualities that you say, oh! Okay, I might watch that. What makes them villainous? Because I didn't, I didn't catch that. I just kind of saw everyone as a little bit self-absorbed with a dash in nobility. They overall are kind of out for their own good the entire time. Uh, so is everybody willing to to kill for that though? To yeah. the point where you know everyone's out for their own good, but they're not willing to murder people that they're married to. Okay, and so I'll just leave you with that little hint. You got to watch. You got to keep watching. How do you feel about Joffrey? I read a thing today that George R. R. Martin once gave um, his name Jack Leeson. Yeah, uh, a big props, basically saying your performance is so wonderful that everyone hates you. Everyone totally hates Joffrey, and I won't say anything a, more because I don't want to. I, I know how he dies. Okay, <laughs> is, is it because he's a brat? He's a he's a brat that's so evil and sadistic. There's an episode where someone, I think Jamie Lannister, like his uncle slash maybe dad uh brings 
prostitutes to his room or leaves prostitutes in there. Or maybe it's Tyrion. I can't remember. And it's supposed to be like, haha, have fun. And he ends up making them like whip each other and like, like basically beat the shit out of each. He's just such a sadistic bratty kid who is pure evil from the first episode. No, I, you know, basically in the second episode that he's a really evil piece of shit. No, but I understand also that a lot of shows and movies feature a character that is inherently evil that you fall in love with because of that. Right. And he doesn't seem to be that. People watched him and they hated him rather than right. kind of secretly rooting for him. Like, yeah. say, the Joker. Right. Yeah. You like you wanted Joffrey to die yeah. for sure. Yeah. The Joker is an example of a hero that you want to follow. The other one uh, on Walking Dead, Negan just came on. He's going to be like that. I'm mm. certain of it. Yeah. But Well, and, and there's also a real... Uh, movement in television to put the anti-hero in the front. I mean, the, right. the prime example is either Tony Soprano or Walter White, the guy who is so conflicted that he does completely wrong and terrible things yep. and ends up ruining himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he he's just, he's got a redeeming quality, whereas Joffrey doesn't seem to be so redeemable. No, you're right. He is one of the characters that is for sure a villain through and through in the series. But that's what they wanted from this character because George was happy with it. Yeah, but most of the other characters, you're still wondering if they're super villainous. Uh, Jack Leeson is retired from acting now. Really? I think so, yeah. Unless I'm getting him entirely confused with somebody else, but like he left that show and he was like, this was a wonderful experience. I'm going to go to university. It would be a weird role. He's pulling a Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but yeah. it, it would be a weird role to be a kid playing that and have all the attention and also people probably bumping into you on the streets and right. being like, fuck you. Cause you know, there's people that just are idiots and can't control their emotions and just watched an episode and came out on the streets and saw him. We're like, Oh, you suck Joffrey. Yeah. And meanwhile, he's like 16, just trying to figure out what's, I don't know, well, growing under his armpits. And whether or not he watches Game of Thrones as a fan, and he very well might because that's perfectly acceptable, he has been on the other side of the camera and he knows better than anybody that it's not real. Whereas even those of us who are smart enough to understand that it's fictional and that he's an actor and that it's made up in the fat head of a fat man, we often forget. And the reason that you're able <laughs> to have a, a, a visceral impactful reaction when a bunch of them get killed is because some part of you wants to believe that it's real. And so you forget too, but he doesn't. I, I pretty much blacked out what once you said fat head of a fat man and just <laughs> thought that that should be the George R. R. Martin like documentary, the biography <laughs> inside the fat head of a fat man. Well, are roughly 6,000 pages now, I think. Yeah. And hopefully a few more. <laughs> Oh, there's so many kingdoms in there. Westeros. And... Seven kingdoms. Of seven? Westeros. Oh, okay. There's just seven. Everything okay. happens within those seven kingdoms? I think so. I don't even know if I can name all of them. Because initially I was like, okay, does this happen on Earth? Probably not because there are dragons and magic. Right. But as it turns out, no, it's just some kind of mythical um, separate land. Universe. Like, like Middle Earth or Hyrule. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? What's Hyrule? That, Zelda. That's, oh, okay. That's where everything in Zelda takes place. Gotcha. Uh, favorite line in the pilot of Game of Thrones? Oh, I think it was something that uh, Robert Baratheon, the king, says about how he loved the previous hand of the king, John Aaron, because he taught him so much more to life than uh, fighting boars and fucking oars. <laughs> and then he says, what? It's not my fault I didn't listen. I yeah. thought that was a really funny line. And he's is he like a, a character that they're going to develop, or is he going to go away? Oh, no. Uh, he, uh, he fought a good fight, but he dies pretty soon. If he were to die of the same um, of the same fat illness as George R. R. Martin, <laughs> that, would fat be, that would be quite the forecast, wouldn't it? It would. But no, he doesn't. Uh, actually, if George R. <laughs> R. Martin dies the same way that he dies, it will be like... It'll make headlines for sure. What if George R. R. Martin were to die the same way as one of his characters? Like if oh somebody wanted God. to see Someone that happen. crushes his skull. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or if he like chokes on I think, a... I honestly think that's the way he wants to go. Yeah, probably. Like I think if he's ever in hospice or in palliative care, he'll be like, someone come in here and crush my skull. I wonder if any part of him is kind of uh, dilly-dallying on purpose. Like, he's like, maybe maybe he doesn't know how he wants to end the series, or maybe he wants to have oh. a devastating no end, 
and is kind of putting it off until everyone's like, well, I guess we'll never know. My friend who's a big reader of all of the books hates the show and thinks that George R. R. Martin tainted everything he did and he's never going to finish the book and the series is going to ruin what he would have done with the books because he was rushing it. So it is kind of like a George Lucas situation. Yeah, definitely. I think my favorite line in the pilot, and I have two, uh, the obvious one I really loved when when Jamie Lannister pushes Bram out the window and he says, the things I do for love. (laughs) Right. That's so... They should have just started playing that song afterwards. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) It would be amazing if every... Game of Thrones episode ended with like an 80s power ballad. Right. Or just some contemporary song that doesn't belong at all. Well, have you heard of that Walk of Life project? Did you hear about that at all? Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Right. I, so the idea, it's a, a video on, on, on Reddit, and I think there have been a number of them at this point, where as soon as the movie you're watching says the title of the movie, as in, no, we're going to send him back to the future, and then Walk of Life comes on. Right. By, well... And or I think it's that or the the, the end of every like a, a really dramatic ending. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I think it was specifically after the title of the movie is Oh, okay. I actually haven't even watched it. I just It's as if the title of the movie is the ultimate climax of every movie. Power ballads would be really good though. Yeah, it'd be really good. So I like that line because I think it also set a tone and a precedent for the show. Definitely. Although it 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 now has me asking questions if they're um, in a sexual relationship, and they're also brother and sister. When he says love, the things I do for love, does he mean like romantic love? Does he have like romantic feelings for her? I think it's yeah. I think it becomes pretty well established that they yeah. The other the other best line in the I think objectively the best line in the in the episode was all dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes. Yeah, that, yeah. That really that really adds an element of of depth and complication to the Tyrion character because until then you see this guy who's a dwarf. He's very cocky. He's maybe a drunk. He has hookers or whatever. So he's kind of a, a lovable degenerate. Yeah. But you don't see any kind of insecurity in him until he says that. It does a great job of establishing who Jon Snow is and who uh, Tyrion Lannister is at the exact same time. So wait, Jon Snow is his brother? No, Jon Snow. He's talking to Jon Snow. Right. Uh, about how Jon Snow is a bastard. So it's oh. developing the whole story about how Jon Snow's mom is not the queen. Are there other Snows? I think Snow is kind of the name they give to bastards. Okay. Yeah. That's a very lovely last name for bastards. (laughs) You had an idea that we should end each episode of the show show by pitching a new show. Right. A new idea for a show. Yep. I have two. Okay. The one that we created the first time we taped this episode was that it was some kind of show, a crossover spinoff show where all the people who are killed off from Game of Thrones become new zombies on The Walking Dead. Right. I think that would be very entertaining. Um, what was Medieval the, zombies. What was the name you were going to give it? <laughs> it was like Game of Dead or something. Yeah. Was, Walking Thrones. Walking Thrones sucks. <laughs> and Game of Dead should for sure be what it's called. <laughs> they both suck. <laughs> no. Game yeah. of Dead? Game of Yeah, Game of Dead's kind of cool. It's also kind of like, oh, we're just playing a Game of Dead over here. <laughs> Walking Thrones. Yeah. Um, the other one is... That uh, just reminds me of like uh, Beauty and the Beast or something. Right. Walking Thrones. <laughs> Be our guest. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other one is a Ryan Murphy show, not unlike The People vs. O.J. Simpson, okay. which is an investigation uh, legal drama about the person who murdered George R. R. Martin. <laughs> oh, this is so interesting. Why did you do it? And they have to go back over the entire series and kind of analyze all the different plots to kill in that show. And prove- Why did you make him choke on a on a... Poison pill or whatever it was that right. killed Joffrey. And George R. R. Martin's, like, he has to prove that George R. R. Martin actually would have wanted that. Right. Oh, that's The case rests, Your Honor. Yeah. <laughs> but my my thought, the show that I want to see is, like, uh, kind of wonderkind uh, that just becomes a stock market billionaire. He comes from a shitty town. It's basically like Entourage, but he's a, he's got this stock market prowess, and he can continually make more and more money. And he, like... I don't know, just does a bunch of stupid shit and takes his friends everywhere. It's basically Entourage. No, I don't think that that's a bad idea at all. It is kind of like Entourage, but people like to watch a lovable shithead. Yeah, I think I it'd be. I think it would be a mix between like Entourage and Mr. Robot. I still have to watch Mr. Robot. Oh, God. Yeah, you do. They Mr. That... Robot is the next Game of Thrones. Oh, I heard that it's the next Breaking Bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily. Is it, is it really violent or is it just suspenseful? Um, there's some violence for sure, but it's more suspenseful. Cool. And I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah. All right. So there's a recommendation. Uh, should people be catching up on Game of Thrones if they, for some reason, have not been following it like me? Absolutely. There's no reason to not be watching that. And I'll say the same thing to you. 
even in the case of having heard all these spoilers, because that's the thing. Like, if you never read Harry Potter, you know now that Harry Potter doesn't die in the end. I'll put it this way. There was still a point to me watching this pilot because I picked up things that I didn't realize after watching the entire show twice. This is probably my sixth time watching the pilot. You might be saying, Matt, are you just an idiot? (laughs) <laughs> that could be true there are more episodes you know it's there not, are they don't just replay the pilot and you have to find new things new nuances i'm forced to watch it every week <laughs> once again thank you so much for listening to the show show rate and review do all that podcasty stuff i don't care yeah <laughs> you do that listen to us if you want yeah yeah and next week we're going to do something entirely different from game of thrones so if this wasn't your bag maybe this one will be um we don't have a sign off no, we stop d- watching TV. Go outside. <laughs> no, keep watching TV. Yeah, Let's, you're right. Us, then hear us talk about it. Never go outside. Keep watching TV. <laughs> Never go outside. Never. I like it. That's a chance. All right. Uh, okay. Do we want to do an actual like good sign off? Where that where was you pretty s- good. You say that, and we say never go outside. Uh, what do I say? What do you want me to say? I don't know. Like thanks for listening to the show. I'm sweets. Okay. 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 Uh, yeah, thanks again for listening to the, the the debut episode of the show show with Sweets and Slaney. We had so much fun doing it. We're going to do it every week, and uh, I'm thinking they're going to be released on Thursdays. They're probably going to be released on whatever day this one came out. So do the math. If you want, you can rate or review us on iTunes. Let us know what you thought, or you can tweet us at show show podcast, uh, and we will see your tweets because we only have six followers. Oh, we have six followers? Yeah. How do we get those? Well, one of them's not you, for the record. You could follow us. (laughs) Okay, I will do that. Um, And uh, in the meantime, uh, watch Game of Thrones or watch whatever the hell you want. Uh, Never go outside. Watch as much TV (laughs) as you can.